season two of Us Anxious Folk. In case you haven't noticed, I went on a very long break, uh, primarily because I gave birth to my second daughter, Juliet, who is now nearly four months old. So that went super fast for me. I don't know if it went fast for you guys, but yeah. I'm only now just getting to the stage where I feel like I can actually, um, you know, cope with <laughs> trying to create something. Uh, and I've also been writing like a, like a mad woman for the past couple of months. So, um, yeah, it's time to bring the podcast back and I am very excited about this season. I already have some very cool guests lined up. Uh, I asked you guys who you wanted to hear on the podcast and what you wanted to hear and you had great ideas. Um, so I have listened and I have got some things lined up, which I am personally very excited about. And I think you guys will be as well. Um, but we're going to start off season two with a bang. We are starting off talking about a subject that is intense. Uh, this episode is titled cleverly, might I add. <laughs> I was quite impressed with my titling. Uh, the storm before the calm. You guys have heard of the calm before the storm, right? That's a, that's a saying. But the storm before the calm, when we're talking about anticipatory anxiety, it makes total sense. Because if you followed me for a while, you know that one of the things I like to say is that the actual event pales in comparison to the anxiety that you feel prior to the event. Uh, anticipatory anxiety is intense. It is full on. It can last for I mean, it can start like days, weeks, months before an actual event. And you can just be ruminating for that long before the actual event. Um, and it just, it's full on. It can like, and it's not just thoughts, like you feel it physically in your body as well. It's not just this, um, you know, like mental rumination. It's like you're living out every possible worst case scenario in your body while you're worrying about what might happen when you do you know whatever it is that you're anticipating doing and so I think the storm before the calm is quite fitting because it really is that shit stormy <laughs> it can be very full-on I know for me uh, a lot of the times my anticipatory anxiety was so intense that I couldn't um, you know, I'd get to a stage where I'd, I'd just blow a fuse and I couldn't do whatever the thing was that I wanted to do. And um, I think it's really important to just take a step back for a second and differentiate between normal anticipatory anxiety and well, normal, normal anticipatory anxiety and um, intense, like unnecessary anticipatory anxiety. Uh, so, for example, back in the day, pre-agoraphobia, pre-anxiety, pre-toilet anxiety, um, I used to get really anxious about things like job interviews or, um, I don't know, like meeting a new group of people or like giving a speech, although I haven't had to do that too many times in my life, but that was just the only thing I could think of in that moment. Uh, but you know, those, those events that make most people feel nervous, um, that anticipatory anxiety is is generally pretty productive anxiety in in a lot of ways um because first of all it's you know it's your survival instinct so you're feeling threatened by something a job interview you're feeling threatened by what if they don't like me what what if i'm not right for the job what if i don't get the job 
um, or making a speech, you know, what if I don't get my message across? What if these people laugh at me? What if I fall on my face in front of them? You know, there's all these like variables and it's, it's kind of a way of trying to keep yourself safe, but also because you know that there's a lot on the line, like whatever you're doing is quite important to you usually. Um, and so it's normal to feel that sense of anticipatory anxiety in the lead up to it. And most people feel that. And I say it's it's productive because usually it enables you to um, to prepare a bit more than you would if you weren't anxious about it. You know, in the event of a job interview, like I know I've spent nights Googling like job interview questions and like practicing. Whereas if I wasn't anxious about it, I probably wouldn't do that. And then I might go to an interview and just be completely stumped when they say, you know, what's your five year plan? I'm like, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, that's it. <laughs> that's all we've got. Um, but yeah, so that's normal anticipatory anxiety. And that is something that, you know, we can't really avoid in life. But then there's that anticipatory anxiety that just is, it just feels unfair, to be honest. It's overwhelming. It's like, it can be something as simple as going out for a coffee with a friend or like, I remember I got really anxious when I was housebound about Christmas with my family. They were coming to me. Like it was just my sister and her husband and um, their son at the time coming over. And I was terrified, uh, which to me now seems bizarre. But yeah, it can be something really minuscule that you just feel overwhelmingly anxious about. And like I said, the anticipation is often the worst part, but it can be so bad that it just covers you in dread and you really start to feel like you can't cope. And the thing is, you can't cope in truth. But what I mean is you can't cope with that, that constant worrying, that constant stressing, that constant, um, you know, mental cycle of dread. Nobody can cope with that for prolonged periods of time. Like think about the um, stress response. That's not designed to run on a continuous loop. The stress response is designed to come in when your body needs it, deal with whatever needs to be dealt with, and then go back into, you know, balance the parasympathetic, oh my God, parasympathetic nervous system comes back online um, and sort of, you know, things just come back into like a, a nice level playing field so that you feel okay. The stress response isn't designed to be constantly running. And when you have anticipatory anxiety, it just feels like it is, you know, just, <laughs> just replaying over and over. I just got an image in my mind of, um, you know, trying to swim at the beach on a really hectically choppy sort of day and you just keep getting dunked and dunked and dunked by the waves. Um, it feels like that when you're anticipating something uh, and you just can't sort of shut your mind off it. It kind of feels like if you stop thinking about it for a second, like say you're nervous about going to see a friend for coffee. If you stop thinking about that, if you stop thinking about what might happen and how you're going to get there and you know, just thinking about every single little detail. It feels like if you aren't thinking about that, then something awful is going to happen. Um, and our brains are designed to do that. And the reason for that is because, you know, 
A, we have that negativity bias. So we're always looking for the bad news over the good news. We're always stewing over the bad news instead of the good news. Um, we're wired to seek out a threat. And so if there is a threat, we will find it and we will worry at it persistently over and over and over and over and over and over until we feel like it's, um, you know, until we feel like we've been relieved of it. And that's why with anticipatory anxiety, once you have done the scary thing, that anxiety dissipates because your brain's like, sweet, done, threat, threat abolished, <laughs> we survived, all good. Um, but it's like, how can we get to a stage where we don't get so pummeled by the anticipation of doing something that we don't end up doing it? And with anticipatory anxiety, you know, you work yourself up to such a degree that you convince yourself that, okay, I can't do it. Like I cannot cope with going out for coffee. I'm not going. And you ring your friend and you say, I can't make it today. Um, and as often happened with me, I would, I would do this sort of, this dance with my anticipation where in the days leading up to the event, I would sort of fight with myself. Like, I can't do this. I can do this. I can't do this. I can do this. And I go back and forth in my head. And then on the day of, I would have worked myself up so much that I would genuinely feel sick. I know you guys know what I'm talking about here. I know you know that sick feeling from from worrying so much. Um, and so I'd, I'd cancel because I'd be like, I, I physically feel unwell now. Um, you know, I can't do this. I can't cope with it. So I'd just call it off. And it's funny, to, well, it's not funny, but it makes sense to me looking back on it now and seeing how often I worked myself into such a state, um, just, just ruminating and anticipating about something to get to that stage where I'd wake up in the morning feeling sick, it was like, like I said before, the thing that I couldn't handle was not the event. The thing that I couldn't handle was those days spent worrying myself sick about it. That was what I couldn't cope with. Not the actual, you know, going out to coffee or whatever, whatever it was. So let's just go back to why our brains do that because even though the knowledge doesn't help to um, remove the anxiety, it, it helps to sort of, um, it helps to understand it because I guess it gives you sort of a more compassionate view about it, a more nurturing angle rather than just feeling like, why the fuck is this happening to me? What's wrong with me? I'm broken. Uh, so if you haven't heard of the negativity bias before, it's basically that, um, due to our survival instinct, we are wired to look for the bad news. Uh, we are wired to, to look for the negative. And because way back when, even now though, but, but primarily way back when, um, if there was something bad happening, but also something good happening, the something bad happening could be, you know, a snake in the campsite that that's going to come and kill you. <laughs> and there's something good happening could be like, you know, we found a new tree with berries on it. Uh, if if you aren't paying attention to the snake because you're paying attention to the tree with berries on it, you're going to get bitten by that snake. You're going to die. I feel like that was a hideously bad example, but honestly, the amount of brain cells I have available to me right now are very slim. 
I feel like every time I breastfeed, I just I just release um, brain cells through my through my own milk. Um, yeah, so that I apologize for the poor example, but you get what I mean. Like if you're focusing on the good and you're like la la la, everything's great, you aren't gonna be protecting yourself against the possible threats. Um, and so that's why we are always wired to focus on the negative, to focus on the bad. Um, we're more or less wired to, to ruminate. We're wired to be anxious about things to a degree. Um, and then there is also that, like I said before, the stress response. That is what's going to kick in when we, um, you know, when our brain identifies a threat. So if we're thinking that going for coffee with a friend is going to be a threatening event because, you know, we might have a panic attack or we might, um, we might fuck up our words <laughs> like I'm doing now and, and not know what to say. There might be a lull in conversation. It might be uncomfortable. Um, we might not be able to drive there because we get anxious driving, whatever, whatever it might be. If we identify that event as being threatening, our stress response is going to kick in the sympathetic nervous system is going to hit us hard um, and we're going to start feeling those physical sensations of the stress response. Um, so, you know, things like sweatiness, digestive disturbances, uh, like increased heart rate, um, even the way your eyes take in light, like everything's going to seem a bit too bright and a bit overwhelming. And when that stress response keeps going, it's, it's exhausting. And then um, we have more digestive issues because our, our systems aren't working the way they should be because there's so much energy going into keeping our stress response working. So our immune system's not working properly. Um, like I said, our digestive system's not working properly. Even like our urinary systems aren't working properly, our waste systems. So nothing is feeling right Everything in our body is feeling uh, on edge and feeling alarmed. And then we have our brain as well that's constantly trying to like burrow at that, at that possible threat as well. Uh, so your whole being, you know, from top to bottom is stressed. And I mean, stressed is putting it lightly. Your whole being is uh, fighting for your survival in that moment, really. Uh, and so... <laughs> Sustaining that prior to having to go out to catch up with a friend for coffee, even though to some people catching up with a friend for coffee seems like a real, uh, you know, easy thing to do. If your brain's identified that as a threat, it isn't easy to you in that moment. And it's not going to be easy to you until you go and do the thing and realize that actually it wasn't a threat. Um, but I can understand how with anticipatory anxiety, it's like, okay, I know that once I get there, I'm going to be fine. Fair enough. I might not be, <laughs> I might not be fine. I still want to think about that. What if, but I probably will be, I know that. But how do I deal with this pre pre party freak out? You know, how do I work myself through this anticipatory anxiety? I think the best thing that we can do for ourselves which is also kind of the most annoying thing because it seems so basic. But the best thing that we can do for ourselves is just truly to be compassionate, to just be nice to ourselves, be kind to ourselves. 
I used to really go hard on myself for, for the fact that I was so nervous. There is a video on my Instagram where I'm getting ready to go out for a friend's birthday lunch. Um, and you can see in that video, I talk myself through the fact that no matter what happens, I'm going to love myself. No matter, no matter if I panic on the way there, if I, you know, mess up my words, whatever, whatever happens, I'm going to love myself afterwards. I love myself now. I love myself during, I love myself afterwards. I'm always there for myself and I'm always going to, um, respond to myself in the way that I need. So just reminding yourself of that constantly, like, okay, I'm feeling terrified of doing X, Y, or Z, um, but I still love myself. I'm going to love myself through this anticipatory anxiety and I'm going to understand that the way that I can counteract, that's not me farting, by the way, that's my elbow on the glass. <laughs> I just, I realized that sounded like a bit of a farty noise and I'm like, these people are going to think that I'm dropping bombs while recording. No. Um, <laughs> I'm not. So where was I going with that? Yeah. How can I counteract that stress response? The best way is to um, offer the stress response some nurturing. Um, even things like putting your own hand on your heart space, um, which I know a lot of people might think is really like woo woo or not even that it's just really insignificant like what's that going to do just touching your own chest but it's been shown that physical touch activates the parasympathetic nervous system so it's going to activate that calm down feeling it it happens whether or not it's someone else touching you or you touching you even just yourself so putting your own hand on your chest and just feeling into that for a moment and just recognizing that, okay, I'm anxious. I'm anticipating that everything's going to go wrong. <laughs> and even though I, I know that it's going to be okay, I know that I'm still going to anticipate it because that's what I'm, I'm wired to do. Um, and that's the way I've been responding for however many years. And it's probably going to take me a while to respond in a more... Um, you know, healthy, healthy in a more balanced way. So just giving yourself that moment and just, even if it's like a minute, just settling into that, feeling your own hand on your chest, feeling your heartbeat and just thinking, okay, I can just breathe in this moment. And you'll notice that your, your parasympathetic nervous system does start to kick in. You'll notice that you feel a little bit more grounded a little bit less flighty. If you need to do that every day, if you need to do it every hour of every day in the lead up to whatever the event is, do it, do it. And on that note, how can you find other ways to support yourself um, that are gonna sort of soothe your nervous system? Obviously things like gentle yoga, um, reading, is one of them. <laughs> my, my mind just went completely blank. I was feeling so calm after doing that that I, my brain's like, see you later. Um, yeah, reading is one for me that activates my parasympathetic nervous system um, because it brings my, my like logical brain back online. So it's sort of, I come out of that like lizard brain, that monkey brain, and I come back into my 
you know, rational low brain. And I'm like, okay, yes. And I also lose myself a bit in a, in a story. Um, I find that very calming. Going for a gentle walk, if you can. That was a trick that I used to do way back when, when I first started doing exposure sessions for agoraphobia. If I was, it's really ironic, if I was nervous about going somewhere, I would take myself for a quick walk beforehand, which for a housebound agoraphobic, it's like, sounds really stupid that I was so nervous about going out of the house that in order to ease my nerves before going out, I would go out. <laughs> it's like, what? How does that make sense? But I honestly, I would take myself for like a, qu a quick walk or run around the block. Like I'm talking like, you know, five houses away and then back. And just that, that little burn off of energy, getting that adrenaline out would help my, um, you know, rest and digest response to just kick back in. And I was like, okay, now I can breathe. There's a bit more balance. There's a bit more breathing space. So that's a really good one. Either a, a quick little like spurt of energy, if you can, or even just a walk is fine. Gentle walk, gentle yoga, a bit of reading, um, maybe just sitting with a cup of tea, having just a moment of just rest, a moment of space. Another one that just sprang to mind, touching an animal. If you have a pet, um, a dog, a cat, a gerbil, a ferret, whatever, <laughs> whatever you have, petting your pet, uh, that also has been shown to um, bring your parasympathetic nervous system back into action. Very soothing, very calming, and also reminds you that um, everything is okay in the world. You know, if you've got a dog that loves you, a cat that, uh, I was going to say loves you, but maybe, um, you know, puts up with you, everything's okay. You can breathe. You're like, I've got someone, they've got me, it's all good. I also... You've probably heard this tip before, but I like to um, write everything out that I'm afraid of. I find for me, writing helps me access a different part of my consciousness, I guess. Because when I'm thinking and ruminating and I'm in that loop of like, I'm worried, I'm worried, what if, what if, what if. It just seems to, it's like a hamster wheel and I can't get off it. Whereas when I start writing what I'm afraid of, even if I'm writing the same things, even if I'm writing, what if this happens? What if that happens? How am I going to get there? Um, it just, it forces me to slow down and it forces me to look at it from a different perspective. And then I can usually work my way through my worries in a way that I couldn't when I was just thinking about them. If you're watching the video version of this podcast, you'll see these weird hand movements that I'm doing. I don't know what's going on either. Uh, but yeah, so those are some things that really help me with anticipatory anxiety. The best thing that is going to help though, which I know is, is very annoying advice and I have to get to this because my daughter is waking up. The best thing that is going to help is to go and do the thing you are afraid of. I know. <laughs> But I want you to know you can cope with the thing that you're afraid of doing. You can cope with that. What you can't cope with is the anticipation. And I mean, ultimately you can cope with the anticipation. It just feels like you can't. But that's the part that feels the worst is thinking about it, worrying about it. That is the part that feels the worst on your nervous system, feels the worst in your brain, feels the worst on your body, feels the worst on your emotions. 
the actual event is not going to feel as bad as your body feels thinking about the event. So I really want you to remind yourself of that, that the way that I'm feeling now, I'm not going to feel that way when I'm doing whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing. You may feel that in the lead up, you may feel that, um, you know, while you're driving there or at the very beginning, or you may get flashes of it during, you know, say it's a coffee date, you may get flashes of it during the coffee date, but it's, it's also going to be accompanied by this understanding that you're doing the scary thing and you're surviving. And then your, your brain, your emotions, your body, everything's going to go, ah, <sighs> we're okay. And you're going to come away from it thinking, wow, I worried about that so much and I'm fine. And you knew that was going to happen as well. You knew that ultimately you would be okay, but your stress response was just going on overdrive. <laughs> and <laughs> there's that farty elbow again. Ultimately... It's okay that we have this anticipatory anxiety and I know that it feels uncomfortable and I know that we'd rather not have it in a lot of cases, especially the anticipatory anxiety that goes on and on and on and can last, you know, days, weeks, months, years. <laughs> I get it. I know that you'd rather not have it. Sometimes it's going to be there. And sometimes it's not. If you're coming from a place where you've been housebound for a long time and you're feeling anticipatory anxiety about every single thing, I know that can be really exhausting, but that's not going to be around forever. You're going to get to a stage where you don't feel anticipatory anxiety about everything. You only feel it about the very important nerve-wracking things. <laughs> I don't feel anticipatory anxiety about going out of the house anymore. Um... I didn't even feel it at the last job interview I went to, but you know, sometimes I feel it before a plane ride or, or, you know, before giving birth, like before really full on things. Sometimes I feel a little bit edgy before that and that's okay. Um, but just know that even if you still feel anticipatory anxiety to some degree, which you are probably going to, to some degree for the rest of your life, a, it means that you're doing things that are important to you. B, it means that you're alive. You're a functioning human being with a functioning nervous system. May not be functioning correctly all the time, but it's doing the best that it can to protect you and keep you alive. And C, you are loved. You are loved. Remind yourself of that as often as you have to. Um... I'll remind you of that if you need reminding. <laughs> you are loved. I hope that episode helped. Uh, welcome back to season two again. And yeah, I can't think of how I used to sign these off. But yeah, thank you. I hope you're all doing really well. And I will see you for episode two. Thank you for listening to the Us Anxious Folk podcast, the podcast for the chronically overwhelmed, perpetually panicked, anxious folk in all of us. If you would like to find more about me, you can find me on YouTube at Lauren Rose or on Instagram at Lauren R underscore Rose.